Expectations for any fifth round selection should be tempered, but if this one thing doesn't happen, don't be surprised if DeMarco Jackson sees some meaningful defensive snaps for the New Orleans Saints. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, USA Today's Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today we're kicking off our conversation around DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker selected in the fifth round of this year's NFL draft by the New Orleans Saints, and what impact he could have, his rookie outlook, his rookie season. We'll also get to some questions that were given over by some Saints fans. Uh, take a look at do the Saints have enough space to sign uh, uh, Jarvis Landry in the first place? Uh, who is going to be the most important non-quarterback this season? And a couple of other questions for you as well. But I want to start off with DeMarco Jackson here. Again, the Saints fifth round selection this year in the 2022 NFL draft. And for the most part, you should expect DeMarco, who is a six foot linebacker, just around 100, I'm sorry, around 230 pounds or so, ran a 4.5540, is over the 8.0 threshold in terms of great and elite RAS scores, very athletic guy, to be, for the most part, a special teamer covering kicks and covering punts. The thing that stands out most about DeMarco Jackson's game, and we saw it when we saw him at the Senior Bowl, I got the opportunity to speak to him at the Senior Bowl a little bit as well. And he talked about his nose for the football and his ability to be able to play downhill. And those are definitely two things that jump off the tape when you look at what it is that DeMarco Jackson does on the field. Now, we're going to talk a lot about him as a special teamer and a potential core special teamer. Like he should push guys like Zach Bond and Caden Ellis potentially for their special teams roles or in rotation on their special teams roles, or even just find himself in addition to those special teams roles. And so I think that that's the first place that you look at him. But If the Saints don't re-sign Quan Alexander, there's a chance that both he and Cade Nellis end up getting some meaningful snaps at linebacker, especially in the rare occasions that the Saints march three linebackers out on the field on their defense. So they don't do it a ton. We saw it very little over the course of the 2021 season and the 2020 season, and I think we'll see it very little this year as well. I don't think that's going to change much, especially with the stable of secondary players, cornerbacks, safeties, defensive backs that the Saints have and their sort of ability to be able to now utilize Tyron Matthew in a couple of different ways and maybe march out some additional safeties to kind of use him as uh, somebody in the box, like a dime linebacker, for instance. So there's a lot of different ways that the Saints are going to be able to create some interesting looks over on the defensive side. But one of those interesting looks every now and then will still be using three running backs. Remember, the Saints will play against the Baltimore Ravens this year, who reportedly are still heading towards a run-heavy offense. And in that case, they may march out three linebackers a few more times in that game than they might against, let's say, hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, for instance, when they're you know preparing for the onslaught of that uh, passing attack. So there's a couple of different spaces where you can see DeMarco Jackson get in, but the biggest piece is watching to see if he's going to get those defensive opportunities 
that will all begin if the Saints don't bring Quan Alexander back. Now, I won't be surprised to see the Saints bring Quan back. They waited until late last season to do it as well as he was recovering from his injury. I think that there's a good chance that if Quan Alexander does sign anywhere this year, the New Orleans Saints are very likely at the top of the list. So I wouldn't be so surprised to see the Saints bring Quan back. But if they don't, that could open the door a little bit to the defensive side for Jackson. What are some of the things that you're watching to see DeMarco Jackson improve in his game? Well, the first of which is going to be sort of kind of like what we talked about in yesterday's episode with Alante Taylor, which if you missed that episode, we broke down sort of his fit as well as more that you needed to know about the player. We're kind of doing it all in one segment here. But, you know, he was a guy that played basketball, played track, that played a ton of football, but played majority as a running back first. He was a running back as he was being recruited, but then he was recruited to App State as a linebacker ended up going there as a linebacker. So this is another situation to where someone that's pretty young to the position. Now, he still played linebacker when he was in high school while he was also playing running back, but he didn't become solely defensively focused until he arrived at App State. So this is something else where you're going to see a little bit of technique stuff and recognition. Now, he reads and reacts really, really well. He has really good click and close ability, which means he can see things developing on the field and knows how to get involved and get himself into that play. Again, he has a very good nose for the football, which doesn't necessarily mean just takeaways, but he found his way to 120 tackles, 19 of which for a loss just last season, where he led the team in tackles, tackles for a loss, forced fumbles, as well as, I believe, pass breakups or something like that as well. I mean, the guy was all over the place when it comes to this App State defense or came to that App State defense. Now, he'll look to transition some of that to the NFL, but because he relies so much on instinct, sometimes he can overread, overreact. And so some misdirection stuff, things he might struggle with a bit. And we know for the New Orleans Saints, a big part of the emphasis over on the defensive side is eye discipline. So that's something that they will definitely be working on with him. Let the play start to develop and then be able to make your plays that way. And with his 4-5-5 speed and his ability to go sideline to sideline, particularly close to the line of scrimmage where he can scrape and climb, does a, thing, a lot of things really nice up um, where the ball is snapped. He can trust himself a little bit more to watch things develop and then still be able to trust that he'll get into those plays. If he can make those adjustments, he might see himself on the field a little bit more than maybe we expect, but he's not going to be somebody that's going to push Demario Davis or Pete Werner for a starting role. Don't get it twisted. He, but he is a guy that will find his way to some playing time, very likely on defense, especially if Quan Alexander isn't signed. And in the very least, he'll be somebody that's going to be a fan favorite, very likely, when it comes to covering punts and kicks, because when this guy gets his hands on you, the pads pop. The pads pop big time. So he's coming downhill. And because of his ability to read and react, to click and close, all of that translates really, really well to special teams as well. Well, he'll make some of those big, exciting tackles that'll get everybody fired up before that defense hits the field. So that's the way that you should expect to see DeMarco Jackson impact the New Orleans Saints going into his rookie season. Perhaps his role grows over time, but I think we'll see the Saints continue to invest in linebackers in the near future right? These next few off seasons as they prepare for the eventual departure of Demario Davis, who's probably got maybe a handful of years left still in his career. But I think you start to prepare for that sooner rather than later. DeMarco Jackson could be that guy, but as of right now, I think it makes sense to continue to invest just like you've done over the past couple of years. Now, the New Orleans Saints should also continue to invest in their wide receiver room. They've got it fixed up pretty nicely right now, but there's a big piece out there still available. The Saints weren't able to land Sony Michelle. He's officially signing with the Dolphins, but Jarvis Landry is out there. Do they have the cap space to get it done? And what other moves are there, if any, outside of Jarvis Landry that the New Orleans Saints could still pull off this offseason to help to build on their momentum? We'll break that down as we continue on with today's episode 
of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, the NBA playoffs are rolling right along. And if you've been enjoying them, there's a way to enjoy them even more. And that's by getting in on the action over at BetOnline.net, your number one trusted source for all things sports info, sports betting, sports uh, sports betting news, everything that you're looking for. Trends, action, they got it all. Bets, uh, props, odds, lines, everything. They got it for you over at BetOnline.net, our exclusive online betting partner, here at the Locked On Podcast Network. So they're going to be your source for all things sports ragering information. They've got live betting as well, so you can kind of catch the trends as they're happening. Maybe a team goes down by double digits and their money line goes up or the spread shoots up in terms of its odds, and you want to get on that because you believe that team can pull off coming back from that deficit or maybe closing the deficit a little bit. You can get in on that in the second quarter, third quarter of games. It's really, really fun. There's also, of course, outside of the NBA playoffs, the MLB season. And of course, we just had the Kentucky Derby as well. There's also even esports over there and much more. So head over to the website or use your mobile device today to go and check out all the trends in action and get in on that action with Online, where the game starts. family continuing on with today's episode of locked on saints getting to our twitter tuesday questions and i'm not gonna lie i chewed a little bit all right it's not just twitter all right we got like a little bit of facebook love got a little bit of twitter community love got a little bit of youtube comment love but i wanted to pick four of the best questions from this week we'll try to do this weekly to kind of come in and, and have a conversation so uh our first question is uh in regards to um jarvis landry and honestly this is a question that came from a lot of people actually these four questions are all questions that came from multiple people. Uh, but do the Saints have the cap space to sign Jarvis Landry? So just wondering about the logistics, right? You, you know he's a fit, right? And you know that he's somebody that's going to be able to come in and be able to man the slot. Yeah, he's not going to be a guy that's going to take the top off, but you don't need that anymore. You got Chris Olave, right? Chris Olave is going to do that part. Now you've got Michael Thomas, who should be able to be a little bit more of a three-level threat with Jameis Winston at quarterback. So really, what you're looking for is another guy that has a little bit of versatility in terms of inside and out, but mostly that can man the slot for you. Now, the Saints have some of those guys on the roster already. Deontay Hardy, um, uh, Marquez Callaway could easily be in a, an impactful big slot. And Traquan Smith, who is back and is on a basically effectively a one-year, $2 million deal, is somebody that's going to be able to also come in and maybe get some work in the slot as well. So those guys should be able to compete if you don't bring in a guy like Jarvis Landry. But if the Saints don't sign Jarvis Landry, it'll be because he gets better money elsewhere. It's not going to be because, though, the Saints don't have the money to pay him. If you look at over the cap right now, over the cap shows the New Orleans Saints at $19.4 million of free salary cap space. Now, there's two things to consider at this time based upon that money, right? First of all, Tyron Matthew, right? Tyron Matthew signed a three-year, $33 million deal, $18 million guaranteed. So you know that it's an average of $11 million per year, but he's not going to have an $11 million cap hit in 2022. Instead, he'll probably have a vet minimum salary in terms of base salary, and then some signing bonuses, some roster bonuses, things like that, that are going to push to future years so that he'll have larger base salaries in his second and third year, and then potentially a signing bonus that'll spread over five years if the Saints add on some void years at the end of it. But package-wise, it's effectively a two to three million dollar, excuse me, a two to three year deal. So because of that, you would expect the hit to be pretty low. So let's say that the cap hit in 2022 for Tyron Matthew is $6 million. That's probably a little high, honestly, in terms of what that first year is going to be, I imagine. But let's say for the sake of argument, it's going to be $6 million. 
that would mean that the New Orleans Saints would go from having $19 million available to $13 million available. If you look at the rookie deals, which is the second piece you have to consider in this, you're looking at around $4 million. So you've got about $9 million, worst case, best case, however you want to look at it, right? Maybe we'll call this like the middle projection, $9 million available left in salary cap space, close to $10 million. And so with that, that puts you in a situation as the New Orleans Saints that you're in a really good space to be able to sign a guy like Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is not going to get $20 million per year. It's not going to happen. Not this late in free agency, not with not having a market that has really developed over the course of time. You're not going to get that. Just like Tyra Matthew didn't get the $15 million per year that many expected the you know top salary, top safety money that people expected him to, be, to get. He got $11 million per year, just a half million dollars per year more than what Justin Reed, who replaced him in Kansas City, got, right? Or who the, the Chiefs chose over him, which was that sort of heartbreaking moment for Tyron Matthew that really put all of this into action to where he eventually ended up back in New Orleans. So just with that in mind, don't expect Jarvis Landry to be too expensive for the New Orleans Saints. They absolutely have the cap space to get it done. And honestly, even if the Saints would have been able to sign Tony Michelle, who is now officially signed with the Miami Dolphins, they probably still wouldn't have been able to sign Jarvis Landry as well. I don't think that a Sony Michelle signing would have, who I imagine is going to be something like a one-year, three to $4 million deal. He's in a very crowded uh, running back room in Miami. There's no guarantee that he even makes the team. Like There's so many kind of details around all that. I don't think that even that little bit amount of money was going to keep the Saints from signing Jarvis Landry, who I wouldn't be surprised to see like a two-year deal, for instance, with New Orleans just to help spread that salary cap hit out a little bit. What are other moves outside of Jarvis Landry that you would like to see the Saints make this offseason? I'm going to go with something a little bit unconventional here, right? There are a couple of things that I could say. Go and sign Philip Lindsay. Go and sign, bring back Latavius Murray. Reunite with Emmanuel Sanders, whatever. Bring back Quan Alexander. That's absolutely one, by the way. But, but, I would love to see the Saints give an early extension to C.D. Deuce, to C.J. Garner-Johnson. There was mostly extraneous, but there was a lot of talk about C.J. being in the really uncomfortable pursuit of Deshaun Watson and that whole weird situation about like wanting rookie or, or, or young defenders on rookie contracts and all that other stuff. Meh, okay. Whether or not he was a part of that trade deal doesn't matter anymore because he ain't get moved. The Saints didn't land Deshaun Watson. He's in Cleveland. He's Cleveland's problem now. So for the Saints, CJ Garner Johnson is a guy that you know is going to be able to be an impactful player for you throughout the future. And right now, with him operating as a nickel safety, this is the time to extend him because he could potentially grow into another safety role that would end up netting him more money. So you can go ahead and make kind of maybe an incentive laden deal that's like, hey, if you play this X many snaps at this position, then we'll give you some incentives on top of that, however you want to do it. But I think extending CJ Garner Johnson would be a really, really smart decision. You look at some of the guys that are going to be available uh, for extensions or, or eligible for extensions going into next year CJ Garner Johnson, Eric McCoy, um, and a few others. But th- those two are really the big ones for me. And just making sure, oh, of course, Marcus Davenport's going to be eligible. Uh, his contract will, ex- will end at the end of this season, his fifth year option. So he'll be available uh, to be, you know, kind of renegotiated as well and re signed. And so I would like to see this thing to get ahead on CJ Garner Johnson. Be a year early, don't be a year late on a guy that is one of the most impactful players that you have on defense in terms of his ability to be able to really make plays on the field, of course, get the crowd into everything, be that energy guy that uplifts the rest of your defense and has somebody that is turning into a leader as well. I know that he 
makes a lot of waves because he makes opposing players mad and he makes Tom Brady angry. But for the most part, when you look at him and you see him in practice, you see him in training camp, you see him in mini camps, things like that, you see him teaching other players, helping other players, being a young leader for the younger players. And so I think that that is something that you really value in terms of his off-field impact as well as his on-field impact. So I think extending and um, getting a long term, long another term deal done with CJ Gardner Johnson would be a really, really smart move by the New Orleans Saints this offseason, especially with them looking at trying to keep cap hits down and kind of recover some cap space over the next few seasons. You can structure a contract now that would be very friendly with the expectation of a swelling um, cap uh, ceiling going into the next few seasons. So that would be one that I would absolutely keep an eye out on. All right, coming up next, we're going to hit a couple more questions as we wrap up the show. Uh, which game do I think is going to be the best Saints game next year? And who's going to be the most important non-quarterback in terms of the Saints' success going into 2022? There's a couple different answers I can go there. But I'm going to try to go the unconventional route here of a player that maybe, uh, maybe we've forgotten the impact that he has when healthy. So we'll get to that. As we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, but first I want to tell you about Rock Auto, the amazing website for everything that you need in terms of maintaining, repairing, rebuilding, whatever it is, if it's a hobby, if it's your daily driver, whatever it might be, Rock Auto is going to take care of everything that you need in terms of being able to maintain your vehicle or rebuild your vehicle if you're rebuilding a classic, anything like that. So whatever it is that you're looking for, Rock Auto's website, super easy to use. You just go to the website. You click the year, the make, the model, all of that, and you let them know exactly what part, piece, or accessory you're looking for, and they're going to give you several options of whatever piece you are looking for, and they're all going to be at a fraction of the price as what you'll pay the big name stores and stuff like that that are around the corner, and you ain't even got to leave your house. You ain't even got to leave your house. If you're like me and you work from home, you ain't never got to leave the house so you can work on your vehicle so that when you do leave the house, you can leave the house with a vehicle that you can trust, one that you've put some work into, one that you've shown some love to thanks to the fantastic prices over at rockauto.com. So go and check them out today. Don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you, but right in Locked On the Haja. Hear about a section, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints. With a couple more of your questions, again, these came from all over the place, and most of these questions were asked by multiple folks. Let's just get to the questions here. First of all, thanks so much for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, don't forget to go and check out Locked on Pelicans. Jake Madison, you a phenomenal job over there. Keep up all the excitement around the New Orleans Pelicans. Keep bringing that energy and loving that team, because they're going to be a lot of fun next year. We got the NFL We got the NFL schedule release later on this week. We've got the NBA lottery the week after that, so a bunch for you to keep up with here with Locked on Saints and Locked on Pelicans every single Monday through Friday. All right, so which Saints game do you think is going to be the best Saints game next year? Okay, I had to go with this one. I had to do it. Hosting the Bengals. Y'all, this is going to be such a fun game, and it's going to be a wild game, by the way, because the Dome is going to be ridiculous. It might feel like a little bit of an away game (laughs) for the New Orleans Saints, Based upon the fact that you're going to have so much Louisiana love for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin, all these guys that are going to be coming back to New Orleans. And the last time that they played in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, they were winning the state of Louisiana National Championship. And then now they're coming back, they get to play against the New Orleans Saints, all that. It's going to be so much fun. That game is going to be phenomenal. Um, 
fingers crossed that like everybody's healthy for that game. Like I want that game to be week 13 and everybody's healthy. Like everybody's in a rhythm. The offenses are cooking. The defenses are looking good. The running backs are getting, getting going. Like everybody's available. Everybody's good to go. Like that's what I really, 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 really want for this game because I think that's going to be such a fun matchup. I'm going to be honest with you. I almost went for the Saints and Ravens game just to go with something a little bit different because the Saints and Ravens games are usually, if I could borrow a quote from my old friend, Jim Ross, a slobber knocker. Uh, I think that those games are always a lot of fun. But there's no denying that like the state of Louisiana, the region of the Gulf Coast is going to be so, first of all, excited by about this game between the Saints and the Bengals. But it's going to be so good for the city too. like the people that are going to make the travel, like the hotels are going to be booked. The restaurants are going to be packed. That entire week is going to be fun. You're going to see all the videos of, oh, Bengals fans taking over the French Quarter and all this stuff. It's going to be ridiculous, but it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be such a barn burner of a game, I hope. Like, make that one 49 to 52. Let's get it going again with a Saints dub 59 40 or 49 52, like it was against the Giants years and years ago, where these guys are throwing seven, eight, six, seven, eight touchdowns throughout this game. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for that one just being a ton of fun. Uh, and then, final question here Who is the most important non quarterback to the Saints' success next season? I love this question because it's easy to say Jameis Winston, right? Like, Jameis Winston is going to be the guy that's going to be the, um, you know, most important player to the Saints success going into 2022 because he's the quarterback, right? Like, that's the thing. And I've talked about it before. Like, Jameis Winston has to be great in order to get respect. Like, he's not going to get respect being good. It's not going to happen. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve respect for being good. I'm just telling you the reality of what it's going to be like for the people that are going to be commenting on the New Orleans Saints from a national perspective. They're going to look at Jameis Winston. They're going to say that there's something deficient about him if he's not, in terms of his play, if he's not playing great if he's not phenomenal so he has to be up there in order to get some credit so all right i stole my moment talking about Jameis winston now let's talk about let let me actually answer your question which non-quarterback is going to be the one that's going to be most important or pivotal to the success of the new orleans saints next season i thought about going with alvin kamara here thought about going with cam jordan here demario davis looking over the defensive side but i'm gonna go michael thomas i think that and and i understand i get it i do but i think that we've forgotten what Michael Thomas has allowed the New Orleans Saints to do, right? Thanks to Michael Thomas, the New Orleans Saints were able to go seven and one over the course of two years without Drew Brees. Why? Because Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill had Tom- Michael Thomas to throw to. When Michael Thomas, excuse me, when Drew Brees was struggling and sort of figuring out and they were kind of condensing the offense and all this, what did Michael Thomas do in 2019? Oh, he just broke one of the records that was considered to be one of the most unbreakable records in a 16 game season that there was in catching 149 receptions over the course of a season. This guy changes everything for the New Orleans Saints by returning in 2022. Not just because of the immediate impact that he has on the team, but what he does in terms of distracting defenses. One of the things that I've been talking about are all the route combinations that Michael Thomas and Chris Olave are going to be able to run together. And one of the big route combinations that I'm expecting to see a ton is both of them lining up on the same side of the field and running what's called a Mills concept. So a Mills concept by standard definition is an inside in route and an outside post route that goes over the top of it. So an inside in route would mean that the slot receiver that's lined up on the inside, right? If both these guys are lined up on, let's say the left side of the offense, the guy on the inside closest to the middle of the field runs an in route, goes up the field, seven, 10 yards, 12 yards, whatever and then just cuts a 90-degree angle toward the middle of the field. That's an in route. They're running in, right? 
Then you have a post route that goes over the top of it. A post route is effectively pushing upfield 15, 17 yards, depending upon how they they restructure this route now that Jameis Winston is the quarterback, and then cuts at an angle going upward and inward, running toward the goalpost, right? So you're running on a diagonal. The trick here is Michael Thomas, instead of running the outside route as a number one wide receiver, actually comes into the slot and runs that in route. What that does is that it forces the safety to pay attention to where the hell is Michael Thomas and what is he doing right now? And then potentially biting down on Michael Thomas, leaving the middle of the field wide open for a play to Chris Olave, who has the 439 speed, the take the top off of the defense speed that Saints haven't really had consistently since Brandon Cooks. That type of impact happens because Michael Thomas is a dog. That doesn't just happen because Michael Thomas is some mid-level receiver. That happens because Michael Thomas strikes fear in the, in the hearts of defenses. And now you're not in a situation anymore where you can just double, triple team Michael Thomas and take away the entire New Orleans Saints passing game. Ah, the New Orleans Saints made sure that that happened. That's why they traded up to 11 to go and get Chris Olave out of Ohio State. That's why all of that stuff that, the new, that these you know, big brains out there are saying, the draft nerds are all saying like, oh, the Saints gave up too much value to move up and get, I don't know why I sound like Hank Hill, but I do. <laughs> but, you know, Saints gave up too much value to go and get uh, Chris Olave, Bobby, like all of that. All of a sudden, it makes perfect sense because now it takes away from your ability to just focus in on Michael Thomas. And oh, by the way, Alvin Kamara is also running a wheel route to the opposite side of the field or an out route or whatever. He's leaking out to the opposite side of the field in the midst of all this as well on like a chip and go right? To where you can get him the ball in space. Everyone's occupied with the left side of the field. And now Alvin Kamara is able to pull another Green Bay Packers situation to where he takes a pass that goes five, five yards behind the line of scrimmage and takes it for a 60 plus yard touchdown. Like there's just so many opportunities now that Michael Thomas is back on the field that the New Orleans Saints will be able to take advantage of. Okay. That's my rant. That's my soapbox. I appreciate y'all. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We got Jordan Jackson conversation. Coming up, is he going to be able to be the guy next to David on Yamada? I'll tell you why. I think he can be and is at least going to compete for that spot. And we're going to hear from Jay Stevens of Locked on Buckeyes to talk a little bit more Chris Olave, what he brings to the New Orleans Saints, and why he expects Chris Olave to have a very large immediate impact in 2022. We got all that and more coming up for you tomorrow here on Locked on Saints. So forget we're here with you every single Monday through Friday. Don't miss these shows. And I appreciate you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. Now go and check out Locked in NFL. Luke Braun and I talking about this ridiculous Miami Dolphins offseason, some great landing spots when it comes to remaining free agents and more. So go and check that out over in Locked on NFL podcast. Everything you need to know around the league in less than 30 minutes. As always, y'all, I appreciate you so much for making me a part of your day. For everything else you need around these New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up, learn how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you. 